0: You're listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and across Ohio on St. Gabriel Radio.
1: Hello and welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. I'm going to be your host today. My name is Dan Dimite, and I'm joined here in studio with Brad Piron Yes, sir. And Aaron hey, Richards. What is up, brothers? You excited for today? Feeling good. Oh, it's yeah. so good. Hey, if you're joining us for the first time, this is the podcast where we engage in critical questions that you, our audience, ask. And then we spin these questions to talk about how we can also go on mission. So what we're going to do is... We're going to throw a question out. We're going to give our two cents on uh, the answer to that question. And then we're going to close with a mission momentum, how we can take that question and those answers into the momentum of our week to live a life on mission. Hey, you guys uh, feeling like missionaries
2: today? Feeling uh, pretty missionary. Aaron,
1: <laughs> you? That's the dumbest question ever. How do you feel uh, missionary? Well, I woke up feeling missionary today.
2: Close your eyes and ask yourself, am I <laughs> yeah. feeling missionary today? Yeah. See what the response is. Hey, Jack. Is hey, Jack. The... How's that question yeah. coming? <laughs> the other question. Uh, <laughs> wait, wait, what? Yeah. No, wait. <laughs> I thought that was the question. We were yeah, that
1: was. Are about. you feeling missionary today? That's today's question. No, Jack, could you please enlighten us with the <laughs> wisdom of our audience and give us a great question? Mm. How do I live in the tensions of my desires and God's will? Oh, that's a good one. So how do I live in the tensions of my desires and God's will? Dun, dun, dun. Okay. Mm -hmm,
2: mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think I'll take the first step. Oh, did I make both of those? That's left-handed. That's a finger roll too. So, um, (laughs) two cents are now in the mission jar. Um, I love this question. I think if, well, any of us who have like lived a life that's, oriented towards the Lord realize that there are times in our life where we find desires that might not be aligning with what we've been instructed or God's desires. And I was really impacted early in my conversion in reading a book by Dr. Ralph Martin called The Fulfillment of All Desire. And amongst other things, the book just points to the fact that God is ultimately the fulfillment of all the desires of our hearts, even the ones that are misaligned at first, right? Mm-hmm. And so I guess when I when I hear this question, if I were asking it, I think a attention I might have is like, okay, so I'm seeing these desires I have and I'm pursuing them and I'm not sure if ultimately God is the author of those desires. Well, what we can be sure of is God is the author of whatever is under all of our desires because what's under all of our desires is God. And I think in our Christian experience, sometimes we in fear of sin will teach people that we need to just do away with desire, right? So, Hey, abdicate all desire, set it to the side and just, just pursue the intellectual life and relationship with God that understands he's the way and the truth in the life. But in Dr. Martin's book, I, I love that. He points to the fact that no, Go deeper into that desire. The surface level desire might be the thing that you're thinking is not in alignment with the Lord, but He is under it. So keep pressing. So if if you're um, yeah, if you're finding yourself drawn to something that you don't want to be drawn to, ask why you're drawn to it. Find what the impetus is for you pursuing that. And ultimately, if you go deep enough, the answer to that's gonna be God. So I would answer this of. Well, I guess I would I would answer the question specifically. So how do I live in the tension mm-hmm. uh, like between my desires and God's will? I would say recognizing that God's will is for you to find the depth of those desires. So the way to live in the tension is to press deeper, not to rid yourself of them when at surface level, they don't look in alignment with God.
1: I love that. Aaron, yes. what do you think about Brad's Two Cents?
2: I think that's awesome. I was uh, I,
0: as I hear this question I'm having a hard time even just taking this outside of my own personal context, right? Mm-hmm. That 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 is like I have you have to remind yourself of that. I have to remind myself of that 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 I'm stuck in this moment right now where I am struggling because my reality, my expectation for what God promises isn't lining up with the reality of the moment mm-hmm. and and what I desire from it and we need to realize that that, yeah, my desire rightly oriented, actually does align with God, mm-hmm. so if there's a misalignment, something's got to change, and that thing has to be me, and uh, that's just a great invitation to to re- to remind ourselves of that
1: I think sometimes in prayer we can uh we can think our bad desires shouldn't be talking <clears throat> like we shouldn't bring those to God. And I, I think it's so beautiful when we bring like the subject of prayers, our thoughts, feelings, and desires. And so even if my desire is something disordered, right? Like if I desire, um, That's great, Dan. So, like I can actually bring that disordered desire to God and say, God, what, why do I have this? And it's exactly, then God, he starts speaking to us in that disordered desire. And he says, you have this, like, because you want this, and then because you want this, and because you want this. And as you're saying, Brad, the end of that questioning with God is always going to be clarity. And it's at the end of that questioning that actually where the power and the healing is, right? Yep. That and And God doesn't, I think sometimes we think of God's will as this like, external thing I have to do. Like, like Paul says to the Thessalonians, this is God's will, your holiness. Like God just wants you. He wants a relationship with you. So like what all of these desires that you have, he like the, the end is just so that you talk to God about them and so that you can have union with him and relationship with him. And, and so whether that you think they're good, whether other people think they're good, like what they are there, now bring them to him and have a conversation. Yeah. And if,
2: and if you press like into them enough, the ones that at least I hear all the time when I'm walking with people is if you're pressing deep enough, you're going to find I desire relationship. Yeah. I desire greatness. I desire something to do with my life that matters more than the moment. Like <laughs> there's a pretty consistent, like series of deep desires. And once we get there, we recognize that the path. Yeah i got i right? got some two cents here. oh shots oh, no, that was so, so close, close.
1: Oh, not, <laughs> no no today not hey today. you make them
0: it's gonna be worth it just wait okay
1: so uh <laughs> just, this uh
0: I like what jack wait. loses it
1: the the the
2: laughter from outside the shot there will be a day where i make everyone i'm keep
0: i'm keeping a tally of how many times we can keep we can make jack laugh on the show <laughs> Uh, I've got two so far. Just FYI,
2: <laughs> I have probably zero. That's, that's not three. Working. Three zero zero. Uh,
0: this summer, I, I, I had the opportunity to give a teaching on on God's will at summer camp, and it, it's funny when we talk about God's will, because it's like this big mysterious thought that that we think about, and the reality is God God uh, communicates His will to us very clearly. Um, in one, one particular place is in, in the teaching of the, of the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father, that we, we, we ought to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that God's kingdom would come and that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God's will, as he expresses it to us, is that earth would become like heaven. And uh sort of to to get to where you were going Brad that 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 our desires ought to be oriented to a heavenly reality hmm. and each of us can kind of imagine what we believe heaven is like but when i'm asking like how does how does my desire for this thing fit into god's will the answer can be well what does that thing look like oriented toward heaven hmm. right um, when I think about my finances and the anxiety I have for my finances, my okay. will is that, you know, I'll, I'll do something extreme that may never happen. Right. My will is that I would be a, a millionaire missionary, right? <laughs> God, what is, what is, what do my finances look like in heaven? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not going to be poor, but I'm not going to be attached. Right. That, that there's, there's going to be, there's, there's going to be a reality that, that I've got my, I, I was praying about this, um, a number of days ago that, that when I, when I think about my experience in heaven, like that I'm, I'm overcome with, with a joy and a peace and a satisfaction of realizing that I can rest confidently in God, mm-hmm. that my relationships are going to be oriented toward God. And I think the fruit of that, when we, when, we, when we adopt that perspective, is that that tension between my desires and God's will begins to diminish as I let go of those things that I'm attached to. And I think that that perspective toward attachment in in life, it's a really healthy thing.
2: Yeah. I like that perspective a lot because I, I, I think that one of the, like one of the shames of the generation that we're in is we've, we've lost how amazing heaven is. Like we've, we've like made heaven boring. And I think that like, if heaven's the, the end of what we're made for, like, what is it's God's will perfected right? Like it's, it's us fully alive. It's us fully engaged with the one who created us. And sometimes when we talk about heaven, it's just kind of like, well, it's where good people go and you just kind of exist there forever, you know? And it's, it's no, it's, it's life here perfected. And we don't even know how to comprehend that. We don't know how to understand worship and, um, orientation to God, the way that it'll be in heaven, but pushing towards that heavenly reality now, like what, what can we engage in right now that Uh would, would be as adventurous as heaven could be I, I just think we have to start reshaping just what people think of when they think heaven it's not Casper the friendly ghost floating <laughs> around for all of eternity that's oh, that's actually all I've been thinking heaven was <laughs> what can we talk after the show to make sure we're real if he, no. if, you're the exact one I was thinking yeah, about. I, I was know. like I just has keep made praying. I can't boring. wait to be yeah. Casper. Yeah. Yeah. Dan's like, I cannot wait to sit
1: down and just
2: be there for all of eternity. Can't I always
1: be. like the guys, the really fat ghost in Casper that was able to eat a whole bunch yeah, of Yeah, yeah. Out. Yeah, that's what I, I was I thinking. Ghostbusters. Oh, oh that wasn't. Ghostbusters. That Ghostbusters? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> that's <laughs> not <laughs> Casper. But, uh, yeah, What's but so, so maybe, yeah. So when we, yeah, when we dim- diminish heaven uh, and the the glory of heaven with the result is we elevate the, the earth exactly so like we're like oh heaven's not that great and because heaven's not that great well i need to live everything now yeah. and we start
2: panicking our and earthly so, desires take precedence yeah. of our heavenly ones and so yeah. then
1: our our earthly desires i think become so big and so urgent and they almost start to become lord as mm-hmm. opposed to jesus being lord and i think what you're saying aaron is so profound is that Sometimes these desires like I'm like, "Oh my gosh, God doesn't want this for me." And like we start thinking about his will, intention, or at war with our desires. But like, Brad, you're saying, no, just go deeper into those. I think Aaron, you're saying, go wider. So like hmm. uh, when you go deeper, you find relationship with God. when you go wider, you realize your desires are a little fickle? <laughs> you know, like sometimes like our desires are just they're they're carnal, they're fleshy like. You really just want things that are fading. And even if they're good desires, like even if it's like, man, I really want this relationship to work out. Do you realize that that relationship has an end date, right? Like that everything, um, like in, in view of the grandeur of God, the things that we desire in life are pretty small and insignificant. It's all rubbish, if, if you will, as Paul says. And so I think that's awesome. I love that. All right, my two cents. Woop All right. Um, okay. What, what do I want to say? I think, um, God loves your desires. Like whoever's asking this question, like he planted those desires in you and he's fascinated by them. Uh, I think if we think about the God, the father as a father who loves his children and, and looks at his children with fascination, um, my kids, like they're each different And I'm fascinated by the things that they're passionate about, right? Like my two youngest daughters, they, they are just like arts and crafts. And like the, they're always just building and creating it. And, and it's just beautiful. And when I see those desires in them, I want to magnify those desires. So I want to pull them out. So God, I think, you know, uh, God doesn't want to destroy your desires. He's fascinated by them. He loves them. And when when he sees them, he sees his image and likeness, his own image and likeness manifested in and through you. So I think um, we can look at what God wants to do with our desires when they seem uh, at war with or in tension with his will for your life is he wants to transform them uh, and do something even more beautiful. So you you see... um, Peter and James and John and Andrew, the Lord has called when he called them to himself. He said, no longer will you be fishermen, but fishers of men. And they no longer stopped. Like, it wasn't like, Hey, what you were doing, you're just never going to do anymore. Like my will is that you're just not happy because I know you love the sea. No, like, that you still see their whole life is around the sea that throughout their 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 following of him he brings them back the invitation with Peter of his call he was brought back at the uh, after the resurrection back on the water that that God has these things in your life that he wants to transform no longer will you be fishermen okay so it may not be exactly what you thought but you're going to be fishers of men i'm going to transform it and so when you have a desire that is opposed to God's will. My suggestion would be you put it on the altar and Mm -hmm. you, whatever hits the altar of God gets transformed. So bread and wine becomes body and blood, right? If I put my desire on the altar, like, God, I really want this. And I don't know. It doesn't seem like you want this for me. I'm going to offer it up like uh, 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 Abraham offering Isaac. It's that act of offering that allows the desire to be transformed into God's will. And so the, the two may not be opposed, they may be together. And I think when I, this question too, I think a lot of times the desire may be like for healing, right? Like my mom is dying of cancer and I desire that she be healed from cancer. But uh, that my mom's not actually dying from cancer. This is an analogy. I desire that she be healed, right? But it may be God's will that she not be healed in this earth, right? And so if I lay that desire on the altar, then God's able to transform us. So I start seeing healing from heaven's perspective, right? And I love um, what Paul says to the Romans, right? He, He roots us in the Father, and he says, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received a spirit of adoption through which we all cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If only we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. So the beautiful thing about Christianity is, suffering is transformed into resurrection. Suffering is transformed into glory. So no matter how bad God's will may look, like it may be God's will that the cancer isn't healed and that your mother passes. But the beauty of the gospel is that that suffering is transformed into resurrection. And only in Christianity do we find that kind of beauty. So wherever there's tension between God's will and your desires, I think just ask God, how do you want to transform this so that I see it like you see it?
2: Mm-hmm. I think the bridge there is, is trust, right? I think sometimes when we find ourselves in a tension between our desires and God's will, what we'll presume is that He might have desires that are antithetical to mine. <laughs> like they're like, He, doesn't, uh, want he doesn't want what's good for me. He doesn't want what's good for me. Exactly. And I was thinking about your analogy with the altar, which I think is awesome because I actually go to that. Whenever I'm walking with someone in discernment, I will use the, the altar image a lot because on the altar, one of two things happens. The altar, it's either burnt up or it's multiplied, Hmm. right? It's, it's burnt up or it's multiplied. We can see that even in like the candles and the Eucharist, you can see it in the old Testament too. Like that, that's what's happening on altars. And both are pleasing to God because, because, because there's an offering. And offering's made, and what happens to the offering, we can entrust to God, and whatever happens of it will be pleasing to him and will be for our betterment, mm. that that offering, for me to be detached from it if, it, if it goes away or goes into something different, I can trust that God is in it for my flourishing, so that's okay. Yeah. If it multiplies, and, and you can, like, imagine, like, if you're listening and you're discerning vocation or something, imagine that in the same light, right? I'm in this relationship, and I'm not sure if I'm supposed to, well, put it on the altar. Like, oh. How are you experiencing it with the Lord? Is he drawing you further in, multiplying it? Is he, is he pulling you back a little bit? Okay, well, we can make decisions on that because we can trust that he's in it for our flourishing, you know? Amen. Beautiful. Got anything, Aaron? I'm I'm ready and ready, ready. For some mission uh, mission momentum. Can, momentum.
1: Can, I, can I throw one thing before we go there? No, nope. You've already oh, given two cents. On, you've given on, two. I,
2: I there's not. It's not called three cents. I Brett. know, but I just I'm gonna pull one out. Gonna, <laughs> right, I yeah, only put, well, you put one in tell there. The
1: one that Aaron didn't make. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 great. Yeah, that's yeah,
2: fine. Yeah. Um, I was I was actually I was thinking about the um the concept of desire as well, and I think that we have allowed ourselves to define um, God's desires from ours instead of ours from his too. like, take the perspective of like, what does God desire for my life? Lord help shape my desires to match that. I think a lot of times in our Christian walk, we can just be like, I really hope God has the same desires I have. I really hope his heart is the same as mine. And if we make that prayer instead, God, give me your heart for me. And for those around me, help my desires be yours. Like it, we'll find more success in that prayer than god i really hope your desires are mine make mine yours instead of like make yours mine. That's super good. Um, that is definitely,
1: that was a definitely a, a new two cents, but it was a good two cents. If, if you're angry and bitter <laughs> at Brad for adding an I think they're excited. Cents, Put some you comments if you're comment? like, this yeah. edified yeah. my whole life yeah, and no, Dan needs to it is allow good. it to
2: happen more. I'm just kidding.
1: Yeah, no, it's conformity. I mean, it's not about conformity with the will of God. It's about uniformity <sighs> yeah. with the will of God, which mm-hmm. is beautiful. Okay, mission momentum. Um, who wants to share their mission momentum? How you're going to take this question into your week on mission this good Yeah, week. let me jump on it. So uh,
0: our creative team here at Damascus, we we're reading a book called pra- The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. Mm. And it's uh, it's an incredible dive into what can happen when I orient my life around uniformity, around uniforming my will to God's will. And the beautiful way that Brother Lawrence identifies like the, the key to this happening is just orienting ourselves from a standpoint of God my my reason for doing what i'm doing today is out of love of you that that my love for you would actually motivate my act, my activity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so my my mission my challenge for us for mission momentum today for this week is is to uh, pause your day anytime anytime you can you, you can bring this to your mind and ask myself okay why am i doing this next thing. Why am I going to make this phone call? Why am I stepping into this meeting? Lord, I'm stepping into this meeting because I love you. Um, Lord, I'm, I'm entering into this phone call because I love you. I've tried to incorporate this into my own uh, leadership here at Damascus, that sometimes we have opportunity to open our meetings in prayer. I always like to begin our our meetings in prayer that uh, Jesus, we love you, Mm -hmm. that this is, this is the, the rooting statement. And if we can foster that, that, that consistent, um, motivation of love of God, that all of a sudden those things that that would draw us to love my own things, to love my own desires, to love the things of this world will begin to fade.
2: That's so good. It is good. Um, there you have it. <clears throat> there you have it from Aaron Richards himself. <laughs> <laughs> my mission Momentum is going to just orient around this idea of desire. So with, with um, the desires that we have, I would encourage all of us, us included, this week permitted that it's not sinful, right? If if there's a desire that you find on your heart, I want to like encourage us to engage that desire and welcome God into it. Because okay. I think sometimes we can even find them to be foolish. It's like I desire ice cream today. It's like okay, eat ice cream and celebrate with the Lord. Like I just think sometimes it, like we can see how interested he is in the things on our heart when we welcome him into these little desires that we have. So this week, a desire that you'd usually question or ask if it was too childish or if it was really necessary, actually engage it this week and welcome God to it into it while engaging it. And I, I, I'm interested to see just the the fruit that comes from recognizing he's actually interested in the things that I'm partaking in right now, no matter how small. That's great, Brad. That's good. Okay,
1: uh, mine's gonna require you to talk to someone and uh, do something uh, in, in a missionary way. So, oh, yeah, there's always people we know, whether it's a family member, whether it's a coworker, a, a classmate, who they have impure desires. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> their Their desires are disordered, uh, and so, um, and we see that, and we can either get frustrated with it or kind of annoyed by it. I would suggest uh, going off of your two cents, your first Mm -hmm. two cents, Brad, uh, that, (laughs) that the end of all of those desires is God that you would, you would ask God to reveal to you what that person is truly desiring through their disorder. And so like, if it's, you know, if they're in a impure relationship or whatever, like, what are they actually desiring? Maybe they're desiring authentic love and whatever the pick the person, Mm -hmm ask God to show what is their deepest desire, God, uh, behind this action, and then talk to them about that deepest desire, right? And they probably, they may not even know that it's there, but, but actually have a conversation with them in some way about that desire that, that, that maybe they haven't seen or heard God speak into. I think that'd be really awesome to change someone's life. And I like it. I think we want to live a life that changes lives. We want to help people be blessed. Mm-hmm. And so that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, that brings us... To the end. Um, So we just want to remind you that uh, you've been listening to Beyond Damascus because you may have forgotten. (laughs) So that's why. (laughs) At some point through Brad's multiple rounds of two (laughs) cents. So this is the show where Encounter meets Mission. Uh, Honestly, I think this question was a great question. A lot of people wrestle with this. um, And so if this has blessed you or if you know people that wrestle with this question go ahead and share this episode with them. That in and of itself is a missionary activity. So share this. This show is also a show on mission. And if you subscribe uh, to Beyond Damascus, uh, we have a a mission partner who will give us $10 towards a camp scholarship for every new subscription this season. So uh, you hitting uh, allows us to send kids to Catholic Youth Summer Camp, which is a beautiful opportunity. Mm -hmm. So like, subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff to, to help us evangelize. Um, And we want to close every episode by reminding you that mission mission makes makes sense. sense. That's right. That's so fun. Get it, mission, sense. Yeah, we're doing it. We're doing it big. Thank you so much for uh, loving the Lord and sharing the good news of the gospel. Join us next week on Beyond Damascus. You're listening to Beyond Damascus, the show
0: where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and across Ohio on St. Gabriel Radio. You can listen to the whole version of today's episode on www.ewtn.com forward slash radio forward slash podcasts or check us out on youtube or your favorite podcast app we will be right back after a short commercial break hi
1: this is mike aquilina with a few words about saint john chrysostom saint john chrysostom is probably the most famous christian preacher in all of history His name, which is really a nickname, Chrysostom, means golden mouth. It was given to him because of his preaching. People went to Mass just to hear him preach. St. John Chrysostom was a hero, and he taught us how to speak the truth, but also how to live by that truth, even if we're called to live it heroically. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio.
0: What a great grace it is to have the opportunity to use the airwaves for the honor and glory of God, to be able to talk to the hearts of individuals and meet them where they are in their relationship with our Lord, and also to encourage them forward. Women
2: of Grace with Johnette Williams, Monday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on
1: EWTN Radio.
0: One time somebody said to me, why don't you air
1: these people? And I said, no, because I don't think they're Catholic. He says, by what right do you have to say that? I said, I own the network.
2: <laughs> Mother Angelica Live Classics. Every morning to Eastern on EWTN Radio.
0: Are you ready to spread your wings? Wings is the weekly newsletter that's packed with exclusive news, program information, features, and updates of all that's going on at the Global Catholic Network. To sign up, go to EWTN.com, click subscribe, enter your name and email address, and you'll start getting your wings every week. Get your wings today. It's the weekly newsletter from EWTN,
2: the Global Catholic Network.
0: Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where Encounter Meets Mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and across Ohio on St. Gabriel Radio. All right, and welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where Encounter Meets Mission. Friends, I am hosting today's show. My name is Aaron Richards. I'm joined here in the illustrious Damascus Media studio by my friends and brothers in Christ, Dan Demite, Brad here. Good to see you, brother. Jack, behind the computer today. Welcome, brother, to the show. You're looking good, Jack. Look at that
2: beanie. Friends,
0: Beyond Damascus is the show where Encounter meets Mission. And as you know, kind of the format for today's show is that we will be responding to critical questions that you, our viewers and listeners, have posed to us in the comments or through email. And we're going to give our two cents on how we think uh, the Lord would lead us to answer those questions for the church. And then we'll wrap it all up with charging you, our audience, for mission through a segment called Mission Momentum. And uh, we are a show that is on mission We work here at a beautiful campus in Centerburg, Ohio. Our flagship program here at Damascus is called Catholic Youth Summer Camp. We have an amazing benefactor who has agreed to sponsor to the tune of $10 per subscription, a camper for Catholic Youth Summer Camp or hopefully multiple campers for Catholic Youth Summer Camp for everybody who subscribes for the show this season. So please subscribe, click the button, and uh, share it with your million or your closest friends, so we can have as, ten, have as many campers
2: as possible. To be ten have a lot million
1: of million dollars. Have a lot of camp scholarships. scholarships.
2: <laughs> that guy's like, I didn't expect you guys to be that good.
0: <laughs> uh, Jack, Jack, throw us a question,
2: brother. Uh, the question for today is: How do I find joy and excitement? In the reverent and intellectual parts of my faith.
0: Mm-hmm. How do I find joy and excitement in the reverent and intellectual parts of my faith? The intellectual mm-hmm. Good. I, I think I want to take a first
2: stab at this. Oh, yeah. Come on. Okay. Two for two. Ah, uh, oh, just to the right. Dang. Overcompensation. Okay, you know what? We're good. We're good. <laughs> see, I still see feel how good. I used compensation. Sorry. I, st- I still feel good.
0: um i i have uh, I have five kids at home, and uh one of the joys of my life is teaching my kids how to clean their rooms right and uh, i I only had to be asked once when I was a child to clean up my toys, and then I did it diligently mm-hmm. for the rest of my life but my cho- robot? my children are not the same <laughs> and uh here's the thing um how do I find joy in something that I know is good but that doesn't necessarily align um to the joyful parts of my heart. I, I do it with intention. Okay, so that, that'd be my response to, to the listener who posed this one. Um, how do I find joy in those reverent and intellectual parts of my faith? It would be to, to pursue them with active intention. So to, to actually enter in, we have a saying here at Damascus that joy is a choice, right? that I have to, I have to choose actively um, to engage in the process of of being joyful. And that that choice for joy oftentimes comes from a place of intentional commitment. So if I have been accidentally experiencing the reverent parts of our faith, or if I've been, you know, accidentally dragged along through homilies or sermons or podcasts into the intellectual portions of my faith, I believe that you could probably find a deeper experience of joy if you were to approach those with, with real intention.
1: Aaron, can I, can you elaborate on a non church example of, of how you've found joy and excitement when you've in, approached something with intention? Cause I, I, this, I see this in your life all the time. I'm just wondering, like, it's, it's so abstract with the religion. How, how have you done it in your family with your kids?
0: Uh, well, I mean, I use the example of, of my kids cleaning their, cleaning their bedrooms. Um, and I would say that, uh, yeah, in in creating in creating in making discipline a game, mm-hmm. um, I think that's I think that's uh, the way to cultivate joy. So one example here at Damascus, uh, I used to get really anxious about the fact that there was clutter and trash all around our campus
1: so God, i you you make us sound pretty bad there's not <laughs> so aaron is he really meticulous if, if there's a crumb on the table it's, it's he like would the, consider that as clutter and trash all over he's very he's very orderly so, I, mean, so I am to his I, standards. Is but this definition. is a beautiful <laughs> campus where that we steward well because because of the success of this mission no.
0: um so I, I make it a game um, I, I make it I make it intentional. and I, I charged our missionaries and actually built it into part of our culture that I, I would, throughout the course of my day, I would pick up trash and put it in my pocket because there wasn't a trash can immediately next to me. So we created a game here at Damascus where we the challenge is that your pocket should be full of trash, right? It's awkward, it's strange, but the net result is that now I'm doing that intentionally. It's now something that actually brings me joy to be able to engage. You know, I see, missionaries are hanging out on a one-on-one and there's a piece of trash as they're walking forward. And I see them like race to race to grab it because now we know that like, Hey, that decision's already been made. It's mm-hmm. already something I know I'm going to engage in. Let's do it joyfully.
1: Yeah. That's a great example. Cause <clears throat> no one really wants to pick up trash, right? There's not, there's something dirty about that. And yet it is enjoyable. And because I've set my heart to do that, when I pick up the trash, I actually feel enjoyment. I'm like, wow, this is like, I'm I'm doing well. Aaron would be so proud of me. I'm I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you.
2: (laughs) I I actually it's funny because I was just at a at a conference in Florida and I was going into like just a a quick pit stop at a gas station. I was going into the bathroom and the bathroom had just like paper towels everywhere. And in my head, I'm thinking like, I cannot leave this bathroom yeah. until the paper towels are thrown <laughs> yeah. away because it's been so ingrained in me. So yeah. I honor- You're welcome, Brad. That yes. culture at Damascus, you so, know?
1: Yeah, so you entered into the Torah to pick up the toilet <laughs> yeah, yeah, <yeah>. paper. <laughs> and in that you experienced the resurrection of a beautiful well, because, trash- No, uh, this is a good bathroom.
2: analogy because of the joy set before you. So I yes. think that is why you engage in hard things yeah. is because the, the joy of the goodness of the outcome, right? Like, so whenever I'm doing something, I think this happens in the life of virtue all the time. At first, it's not something I necessarily want to do, yep. but it's not about wanting to do it. It's about knowing that doing it is going to make me better. Right. And engaging in that over time, you then get excited about the outcome of you getting better, becoming more excellent, becoming more saintly, yeah. holy, whatever the, I love it. The joy it set is. before you. Okay. okay. How about My that? Two
1: cents. Um, was that two? That was two. At Somehow one time, you keep
2: them so tight that when they, it literally <laughs> sounds like one every time. Yeah. It's, it's, but that's the we, way we, If you're listening, to us and not watching, we throw pennies into a, <laughs> into a jar, jar. <laughs> for <laughs> excitement. That's yeah. what I'm talking yeah, about. That's, we that's never for Blaine any that? kind of context.
1: <laughs> okay, so how do I find joy and excitement in the more reverent and intellectual parts of the faith? I, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about Aaron Richards and our uh, beautiful. Uh, Producer Jack Parker, and the Ooh. two of them often engage in conversations about things that I think are very nerdy and stupid. Like, hey.
2: whether uh, that is well, Pokemon <laughs> that's stupid.
1: I, I said, I think. I did say they are objectively. No, so, there was wait, some pastoral think, buffering. Yeah, yeah, and this is going to, yeah, you're going to actually win it at the end of the day. So <laughs> they, they'll talk about things like Pokemon or video games or AI, and these are intellectual things that I am completely ignorant of. And so, because of that, I'm like, like, because, but truly, I mean, you two are super excited when you talk about these things. There's all this enjoyment that you're back and forth, you're laughing, and I'm just like, what are you talking about, right? Uh, Dragon Ball Z may be the one that it's it been happens a while. the most. It's been a while since you've had a DBZ date, <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> and uh, But ultimately, the reason I find no joy and excitement in the things that you do is because I'm ignorant of them. And so I'm sure if I invested time in them uh, and I understood, I would find joy and excitement. And I have found that in my faith... The more I know, the more I love. Or um, That when I study something, when I discover something, I fall in love with it. And when you fall in love with something, whether that's Dragon Ball Z or your Catholic faith, (laughs) it it produces, the fruit of that is enthusiasm. It's joy. It's excitement. It's passion. However you want to refer to it. And in my own spiritual lives, I would say a couple times I've noticed this is... um, one with the uh, Scott Hahn's book, The Lamb Supper, When I was young in my faith, uh, I didn't find the the mass to be uh, extremely enjoyable uh, or exciting. But then I read the The Lamb Supper" by Scott Hahn. and it just, I mean, it was like like lights went off. and, and the mass became, something significantly different because now I understood it. Uh, it, it became heaven on earth. And the mm-hmm. and, and literally that was probably 18, 20 years ago that I read that. and, uh, and still to this day, when I'm dis, in disengaging from mass, I go back to the the things I learned in that book, and it it reengages me. It brings the mass alive again, a week after week after week, and um, or intercessory prayer. I used to kind of like I wasn't super excited about intercessory prayer, and we needed to um, we were trying to heal a, a part of our. Culture here at Damascus that wasn't um, that there there wasn't service like or at labor prayer and work they there wasn't a passion around intercessory prayer so I just I spent nine months studying intercessory prayer because I wanted to infuse passion behind that in our culture and it was in the studying of intercessory prayer that my heart just became alivened by it and now Mm -hmm. intercession is something I'm extremely excited about because I studied it and I learned it and so the more I think often the more we know, the more we love and the more we love, the more joy we have. Mm -hmm. And so if there's parts of the faith that seem dry and boring to you, I would just dedicate time to studying it and see if that enlivens it for you.
2: Yeah. Well, by definition, like relationship is the knowledge of something, right? Like no, like the deeper you are in relationship, the more you know about that thing. And so like, If the end that we're made for is relationship, the relationship I have with this intellectual part of the faith, like the more I know about it, that relationship is going to be not only like closer and more alive, but it's going to be manifesting fruit. Right. Because relationship that is most intimate produces most fruit. Right. And so like it's it's as we go in there, it begins shining out from us like you can see it when whenever it clicks for you that like, hey, picking up this trash, it's not simply obligatory, but it's an opportunity for me to step outside of myself. You can see that, you know, and I think, um, yeah, I I just think that when we live like that, we know that it's a better way of living. And why would that not be true of our faith if that's going to be true of these tasks of everyday life and Mm. so on and so forth. Um, it's awesome. What do you think about it? Uh, I think, Dan, you gotta you gotta brush up your
0: uh, your cultural lingo there. I
1: know, <laughs> Pokemon's like I, I listen. I'm sorry, Eric. Jack I Jack just, and I, I mean, have
0: not talked about Pokemon nor Dragon Ball Z in, in Pokemon's
1: dead and gone. I years. can't keep up with you. What do you guys talk about now?
0: I mean, the Cosmere, the Cosmere, Stormlight, <laughs> Brandon Sanderson, uh, the various AI implementations. I have no idea the
1: word that you just <laughs> said. That sounds like happening? a different language to me. The yeah. what? The Cosmere?
0: The Cosmere? Yes. Oh yeah, jeez. Okay. Brandon Sanderson. Do you? What well, we should have him. <laughs> show, Jack.
1: Uh, Ke- I would lose it. <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate this. And yet it brings me no, no joy because <laughs> I'm ignorant. And so if your faith doesn't bring you joy, perhaps it cause Well you
2: will, or maybe you're not in the relationship you should be within that faith. But I a question on the, um, you had mentioned a couple times in your two cents about becoming alive. Like I, like the mass wasn't like alive to me. And I became alive in the mass after the lamb supper, uh, intercession became alive for mm-hmm. me. Like what, can you give context? What do you mean when you say like it became alive to me or I was alive in it?
1: I find the word, if I could edit this question, sorry to whom asked it. I think the word excitement is a little bit, a part of the consumeristic culture that I need to be excited by something. I, I, Prefer the word enjoyable. That uh, mm. something is enjoyable, and I can appreciate it, and and in that it gives me life, right? And so, it, am I excited at mass? I don't think so. But do I? Is 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 mass intended to excite? Is the human person supposed to be excited all the time? I think our culture has led to that kind of mentality that you have to. Uh, produce a 30 second clip that makes me excited. Then I'm going to go to a next 30 second clip that makes me. And so I think God wants us to enjoy life. uh, And he wants, uh, and in that, uh, in that enjoyment, I I appreciate the things that God has given me in life. Mm -hmm. I like that. All right. Yeah,
2: I have mine. Um, My, my two cents is oriented around just for those who are, maybe asking this question from a place of like, I really appreciate the reverent and intellectual parts of the faith, but joy and excitement aren't something that I, I, I feel are flowing from me in the way I desire them to. Okay. Let's say that. And I think if you're happy and you know it, show it right. Like if you, if you like, if you have found beauty in the, in the reverence at mass, if you've, if you found, if you found some of the intellectual parts of the faith true without a shadow of a doubt, right allow that to manifest in your life. Like allow yourself to be excited by that. Like w- when, when we talk about the show, we say that encounter leads to mission. When I have encountered a reverence that is otherworldly mm-hmm. and I know it, let me help others be magnetized to that which is otherworldly. Like people aren't magnetized to robotic gestures. Okay, so let's talk about just the reverent parts of the faith. The most reverent part of our faith is the beautiful liturgy that's been passed on to us, right? It's it's reverence perfected. Like we're, we're there with the choirs of angels and the saints. And yet sometimes the people I find in my life that are most drawn and most appreciate that part of the faith, the, the reverence that's found in liturgy they are least likely to operate in such a way that that's true it's like whenever you go to that reverent part of like reverence doesn't equal robotic So like the reverent part, like the reverence of the mass, there is a way by which we all are doing the same thing, but we shouldn't be doing it the same way because Dan's there and Aaron's there and Brad's there. Like, and the way I'm engaging it, the way certain parts of the mass stand out to me at different times, the way the Lord's speaking to me and drawing me and bringing me back to himself, like that should be manifesting in what I'm experiencing. Like sometimes I think we've found that in, in, um, maybe in the pursuit of virtue, the best way to allow others to know that I'm pursuing that is to become stoic. And I don't think that's always the the case. And so I think sometimes the reverent parts of the faith that we've fallen in love in, they're not taking on the dynamism, right? Like in second Timothy, we read that Paul says in the final days, a lot of things are going to happen and they're going to be wacky. One of the things is that people are going to be lovers of money, lovers of pleasure, not lovers of God. And at the very end, he like crescendos it with, they're going to take the form of religion, but deny its power, deny its dynamism. Like the dynamic aspect of it, like the part of it that's, that's manifesting, right? Like let's of course keep the form and let's allow ourselves to be dynamic in it, to experience the dynamism of it, to live the power of it. And in the intellectual parts of the faith, I would say the same way that we had an awesome episode on, um, on just. we were discussing a little bit around the transcendentals, like the true, the good, the beautiful, at least I was, I can't remember if that was a two cents or we've recorded enough at this point. But like, if you found that, which is, um, true, right. And then you can also see it in Jesus as the way, the truth and the life. That might've been the context we were talking about it in the last episode. But if you found the truth, could I tell that you believe the truth by the way that you live? (laughs) Like I've, I've thought about this before and I'll leave my two cents here. But if if I had a camera on me at at all times, okay? Let's just imagine like when I'm with myself, when it's just me and a friend, when it's just me and my spouse, when it's me and the missionaries at Damascus, when it's me on my ride home, if I had a camera on me at all times and I went up to someone on the street and they didn't know anything about me and all I did was hand them that tape and they watched the tape, would they by watching the tape know that I believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Or would they not? And how would they know that? And, and, and would they, would they know that I'm living a life of holiness and mission or would they not? And and how would they know that? Yeah. Right. And cause I want to live both. And And you can see that, like, what would be the hallmarks of what you would look for in that video? Like, well, if, if Jesus is everything, then he's everything. If he's nothing, then it's nothing. So if I've claimed him to be everything, I would anticipate that person talking about Jesus some, talking to Jesus some, telling people how amazing it is when people are struggling being a person that's in the midst of that. Like, and that's, that's when joy is just the, the most important is when we're engaging with the things that Jesus did and showing people that this is the best way to live life.
1: Beautiful. I like Beautiful. that. I think the, the powerful, I think, I think you see that, uh, I, I, I appreciate the way joy is manifested here. Like even just amongst our relationship, right. That, mm-hmm. uh, um, Brad and I on the two ends of this table are like <laughs> blah, blah, <laughs> blah, blah. <laughs> like the the hype dudes and Aaron is like composed and but there's no less joy that Aaron has. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is kind yeah. of no, the essence Yeah. But but there's
2: there's not a picture of one kind. of yeah, there's You have not to do this to be joyful. And so
1: if it is like if you're happy and you know it show should, it. Yeah. Like but don't show it like Dan shows it. Don't show, show it like Brad shows it. Don't show it like Aaron shows Aaron it. Shows. Yeah, no. <laughs> show it in a, in a way that's authentic to you, but it yeah. should. Joy should manifest uh, It should be the manifested result of some, this relationship of intimacy that you have with God.
2: Yeah. I use the sports analogy sometimes. So my dad and I both love Xavier basketball. And when we're we're at a basketball game together, it's really funny to see the way that we respond to good things happening on the court. Like we both love Xavier basketball. Like we would appreciate if they won every game by 50. Right. But when we're watching a game and something good's happening, I'll be up like high-fiving strangers next to me. I'm like saluting the guy (laughs) in the back row, you know? And my dad is just like standing up clapping and nodding his head, you know? And it's like, he, he is not like less appreciative of what's happening, I like your dad, but, dad. but, yeah, but, but the thing that I, I want to get at though, is it, it does demand a response though. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't like it would be different if he was just keeping it all in, sat down, never stood up, applauded, never looked at me and said, wow, that was a good pass. Or wow. That like, if it was all just kind of like, stoic complacency there is something like there's just something wrong with that mm-hmm. it, like what's happening in me like if i'm body mind and soul what's happening in me and the things i'm appreciating they have to they have to come out and again the different personalities are going to express that differently but joy is not an option in the christian life yeah. the way that it's manifest usually is dependent on how god's made us
0: you know what is uh the opposite of joy
2: what is that criticism <laughs>
0: So if huh. if I am if I huh. am motivated from a place of criticism that that's like the sure shot that you're going to miss this. Thing. That's a good word. So that's a really good word. And it's word. funny you you mentioning from a place of liturgy uh you know we here here at Damascus we don't we don't point ourselves toward like a traditional versus a uh a contemporary expression yeah. of liturgy per se, right? Because why we we want our liturgy just to be an expression of what the church actually Teaches and what the church actually believes, and to be given with the whole heart. But mm-hmm. it's funny, whichever side of the aisle you end up directing yourselves toward, often liturgical conversations can come into this place of like my primary goal here is is criticism, or at least that's how it could be interpreted if you watch what I did and listen to what I what I said. And I can almost guarantee that if that's our motivation, it's just a recipe for a joyless existence. Yeah.
2: And and it's actually going to be more fruitful if you're wanting to invite people into something that's beautiful. Yeah. And you know how you do that by showing them like being like, man, my, like you have to come with me. I had a friend that did this like, and I, and I honor him for it. There's a, there's um, a a traditional Latin mass that's celebrated in, in Columbus. And I go to St. Paul, which just has a contemporary expression of, of the mass. And, when he he was so excited. He's like, you've, ne- you've never been before? You should just come with me one, one Sunday. Like, and, and you can bring Nina too. And Nina was out of town and I was like, actually this weekend I, I don't have anything lined up. I'd love to go. And I went and he was like, but what drew me in was like his, just like love of sharing something he finds beautiful. Yeah. And it was so much more attractive than if he was like, hey, that church you usually go to, it's incredibly average, but I'll tell you this, the real, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, like yeah. it is just more fruitful. Cause even if your end is like, hey, I want people to see what I see in the beauty of this expression or that expression. I, wanna, I want people to see what I see when it comes to reverence. It's like the best way to bring someone into yeah. your world is to say, it's changed my life and I'm so excited to share it with you. Beautiful. Well,
0: when we uh, love, what when we, know what, when we know what we love, when we, we love what we know, uh, that love motivates us toward action and mission, <laughs> yeah. and uh, we're going to step into mission momentum. How can we actually make sure that that we're not only hearing this here on Saturday afternoon, but that we're living this throughout the course of our week? Um, what's what's your mission momentum point for the for the day, man?
1: Oh man, what is my mission momentum? I I, I want to. Um,
0: I got one. If you're still struggling,
1: yeah, I'm still struggling. Okay, <laughs> into it. um, it.
0: Whether, whether, whether it's a religious topic, and, and maybe bonus points if it is, or whether it's just any, any topic that, that intrigues you, that interests you, um, that excites you, I would encourage you this week to think of, think of what that, that topic is and to find somebody who you can ask to share their perspective on it, or to share what they know about it, to engage in a meaningful dialogue with somebody yeah. so that you can learn more intentionally.
2: Yeah. I, I'm, I I tend this way all the time, but I I think the mission momentum I want to give is find, find a way to magnetize people that you don't usually choose. So here's what I mean by that. So like, whenever I'm in a social situation, I tend to want to go to everybody in the room for 30 seconds. Okay. If that's your proclivity, go into a room and spend 20 minutes with one person. Right. And, and like experience in, in like, in a way, like, allow yourself to be magnetic there in a way that you're not usually accustomed to, right? Mm -hmm. So, or maybe your tendency is whenever you go into a, a given place, like you have the right words to say to a cashier, but instead like smile, ask them how their day's going and listen. I think like what I'm, what I'm getting at in my heart as we've been talking here is like, I think that when we can begin to see ourselves as representatives of Jesus in the world, and we can stretch ourselves outside of our comfort while doing that, we can bring more people to the truth of the gospel. So I'm thinking like choose a way in your life to, be a magnetic person, a joyful person, someone that people want to come to, but in a way that's different than what you would usually default into. And I would say, do that at the supermarket, do that at your place of work, do that within your family context, however that can look. But if it was me, I think, yeah, for me, I should just say, I'm going to try to like spend 10 minutes with one person instead of 30 seconds with everyone and try to find like, okay, how am I choosing joy in this part of it? And how am I still being magnetic and drawing that person deeper.
1: That's awesome. Um, My mission momentum, I'm assuming if you listen to Beyond Damascus, you do enjoy your Catholic faith. And so you probably know some people who don't. Um, There may be uh, a person in your life, maybe a son, a daughter, a friend, um, who thinks the church is boring. And I I would encourage you to enter into a conversation with them uh, and just share with them, why you're passionate about your faith, uh, the, if the faith is boring to them, but it's not boring to you share with them what, what about the faith brought you alive? And, uh, that's called a testimony. (laughs) And when you share your testimony with others, it, it it brings something in. It brings something out of them. So I think th- yeah. just sharing our testimony with someone. Um, but specifically, why does the faith give you joy? Why does the faith give you excitement? Um, and invite them into into that reality.
0: That's awesome. Thank you for joining us on mission uh, here at Beyond Damascus. Not just uh, listening to the show, but actually actively engaging. Mm-hmm. We want to continue to answer questions that are meaningful and that help you to grow in your faith. Um, please, if you have questions, comment uh, in our YouTube or, or on your podcast or whatever you're, uh, however you're engaging with us socially, um, mm-hmm. contact us so that we can answer all of your questions in our next seasons. And uh, if this episode has encouraged you or answered a question for you, please uh, share it with somebody who you think might have a similar question or might benefit from it. Once again, thanks to uh, The Benefactor who's, who's helping to support us mm-hmm. um, here at Damascus. Subscribe to the show so we can uh, empty his pocketbook. And, and bring more kids to camp. And bring more <laughs> kids to, uh, mixed motivations. Um, I don't even know who this is. If I did, uh, if I did I'd probably change my tune. Um, but uh, it's friends, it's a great joy to mm-hmm. be with you every week. And we look forward to seeing you again next time. Remember, Mission. as always- dang it i was on it i felt good about it here Uh, at beyond damascus we want to remind you that mission makes sense sense. (laughs) we love you we'll see you again next week god bless that's the best friends thanks for listening to beyond damascus the show where encounter meets mission you can listen to the whole version of today's show by searching for beyond damascus on youtube or your favorite podcast app